Ask any Negro. They'll tell you, a woman does not play a saxophone. Except for me. Actually, I don't play sax. It's more like I noodle. I never studied the horn, but I can get through a Stars Fell on Alabama or a night and day with little or no problem. I was a far from brilliant student of the piano, but I can sight read my way through a whole lot of Bach or Bud Powell. See, I'm naturally musical, not talented. I didn't say I was talented, just musical. At one point, what was I, three, four years old? My father thought I might have been a genuine inheritor in the endless line of black musical geniuses. But not too many of us blow tenor in front of the off-track bedding parlor on Lexington Avenue with a battered old hat inverted on the sidewalk. No, I think I pretty much have the exclusive on that one. But wait, let me explain a few things. I'm not a homeless beggar. I play music on the sidewalks of New York, but I don't sleep there. I'm 5 feet 10 inches tall. I turned 28 in January. I'm more or less a Grace Jones lookalike in terms of coloring and body type. She has the better waist. I win for tits. I'm the former second runner-up in the state spelling bee. I was 12 then. Hold a degree in French with a minor in music from Wellesley. Scholarship all the way. And I live in a fairly low-rent, nondescript walk-up at the edge of Gramercy Park, where that neighborhood starts to bleed into the methadone-rich valley of drug treatment facilities, doctor's offices, and hospitals at First Avenue. You know what jazz musicians are like, always trying to stay cool in the face of the worst kind of hardships. Well, just a couple of days ago, I had come up against a pretty hard one. I was dumped. Hard. I thought I looked especially cool that day. Mostly because of the $200 Italian shades Walter had mistakenly left in the apartment when he moved out. Again. This breakup was not the kind of nuclear dogfight we had had in the past. It was just about that low-level hostility toward each other for months on end. That cold kind of resentment. That sex that's still good, but just not right. And then one morning, when he goes to work, he's carrying a suitcase with his stuff in it, along with his briefcase. Not to worry. Walter Michael Moore had someplace else to go. He is very good at hedging his bets. Always has been. He never let go of the small rent-controlled place up on Amsterdam. And I was pretty sure that around the next corner, there was another lady quite willing to sacrifice a little closet space for his Paul Stewart suit. No, no need to worry about Walter. Matter of fact, fuck Walter. It was yours truly who now had to worry about keeping body and soul together. Who needed Walt's four-fifths of the rent and groceries like Abbott needed Costello. Who wasn't currently employed, okay? Who never really got the hang of saving money and had never once been accused of being too future-oriented. I had long ago incinerated my bridges at the temp agency. The translation gigs I had depended on for the past year were drying up. And how could I ask my mother for anything when, one, she was struggling with bills herself, and two, I was lying through my teeth to her on a regular basis about the terrific part-time position I had teaching French at NYU. 
speaking of body and soul. I was longing to hear it. Oh, I knew I wasn't ready to play it. I just wanted to hear it. If I kept practicing, I figured, I would be able to do a passable imitation of Ben Webster's licks on it. But it would be just that, an imitation, an homage. Not that Webster, fabulous as he was, is God number one in my pantheon. There's Parker and Rollins and Coltrane. Well, the list goes on endlessly. I think it's a good thing to have an open-ended pantheon. When it comes to the piano, though, it's Monk whom I have accepted as my personal savior. All that quirky, absent-minded professor, mad as a hatter, turn everything on its head brand of genius. Oh, do I love that man. <laughs>